My name is Michael Scott. Welcome to my world and prepare to be awakened. This is episode 8 of Awakenings. Hi, I'm Jamie. Sean. Chris. And Roxy. And welcome to episode 8. Today, holy fistics, episode 8. <laughs> holy fistics. <laughs> yes, it is episode 8 already, I can't believe it. But in the intros, in case you guys didn't notice, or you, I'm sure you guys did, we have a new portal caster filling in for us tonight. Jeff had a family emergency, so we have Roxy from the forums filling in for us. She is a moderator, and I'd like to let her introduce herself real quick. Uh, yeah, so hi, I'm Roxy, uh, known as Bella Stella on the forum, and I'm one of your mods uh, that helps. So, yeah, hi. <laughs> from that wacky place up north. Yes, in Canada, <laughs> where it's cold and rainy. Well, thank you very much for filling in for us on short notice. We appreciate it. Okay. No problem. It's my I pleasure. Am, uh, I am reporting live from the coast of Maine on vacation here. Yeah, he's just got to rub that vacation bit in. I'm putting me to work on my vacation. I see how it is. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you offered. I wasn't going to let that go. <laughs> I could have made you take three hours to edit the post. I don't know. I think us girls could have done it with, without any of the help from the boys. Hey, I even put that out there. <laughs> I said, if you want to sub for me, go right ahead. <laughs> Would have been the best no, podcast no, ever. You. <laughs> you guys need a little testosterone. In you. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Sean doesn't mind being the ladies' man for the evening. No, and as far as testosterone goes, you'll have to settle for me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> that so, was low. so many things I mean, just went through my head. Between me and Jeff, we have almost enough testosterone. <laughs> I'm sure Jeff will love to hear that one. <laughs> and you said it, not, not us. Yeah, it's fine. Before we get too off topic, we have a lot to talk about today because we are talking about the sorceress. Yay, finally. So... If you haven't finished The Sorceress yet, you may want to turn off this episode and wait till you have finished it, because that is pretty much all we're going to be talking about today, and I'd hate to spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it. So, are you guys excited and ready to talk about The Sorceress? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst book I ever read. I don't know, which the time. <laughs> well, then we should just quit right now. <laughs> All right, thanks. Talk to you next time. Hey, guys. Bye. Great book. Signing off. (laughs) So before we get into discussion, I believe we have a little bit of business to take care of. Um, Jeff's random quote winner. I guess I will put on my best Jeff voice. Sorry, I can't do voices. uh, (laughs) Fine, you can do a southern accent. (laughs) Oh, y'all. That's about as far as I go. (laughs) This is Jay Myers, (laughs) y'all. <laughs> Maybe I should sorry, let wait, Sean wait, do sorry, this. Sorry, Jay. I didn't that doesn't make you assume you're from the South or anything. But no, Jay is not from the South because he did, in fact, win last time, and he has won again. Because he won, he's not from the South. No, he did. <laughs> he he said last time that he was not from the South. <laughs> but yes, it, the winner is Jay Myers. 
And the random quote was from page 58 of the hardcover edition of The Alchemist. It is, just as they meet Scaddy and she is agreeing with him about the missing codex. Now, does anybody remember what Jeff's quote was? <laughs> I was just going to ask, I have no what idea. was that quote? <laughs> we're, we're a solid team. <laughs> Go team. I'm sorry, I'm in a little bit of a limit. something Scaddy said. Yeah. You got me. But if anyone can beat Jay, he's a pretty speedy responder, so I, I challenge you all to beat Jay at the random quote for next time. So I always answer these questions. My name never appears. <laughs> I guess you I'm not count. fast enough. I don't count. Oh, you don't count. Fine, then. But you count now because you're here. Oh, it's kind of well, like it's right. cool. it's kind of like one of those whole, you know, employees and family members are not <laughs> eligible. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> you signed up for this. <laughs> I know I did. Yes. Aren't aren't we supposed to get privileges sometimes? <laughs> yes, but not winning the random quote contest. Okay, that was not one of the privileges. <laughs> so you know, Roxy, you just can never mention your name on the podcast. <laughs> Well, I guess we should restart then. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to emails. We got an awful lot of responses this past one, you know. Yes, we're getting we... more popular or we're just wrong more often. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what warrants more emails. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we just oh, got know, that much more interesting. We've been getting a lot of emails, but we haven't really been getting many uh, voicemails, have we, Jamie? No, we haven't gotten too many voicemails. If you leave us a message, odds are you'll make it because we don't get any. So if you want to hear your voice on the podcast, call the answer. Maybe they have to get a microphone first. Maybe you don't have any. Or maybe they're just too shy. Don't be shy. We'd love to hear from you guys. Live and in person. <laughs> on the answering machine. Yeah, so, so not live or in person at all. <laughs> nope. Recorded and via the phone. <laughs> yep, that's the one. <laughs> all right. Picky, picky, picky. Technicalities. Yeah. My goodness. And if, if you call and make fun of Jeff... You'll definitely make it on the podcast. In fact, well, and in fact, we we might have to play it at the beginning and the middle end at the end of the podcast. (laughs) And make sure you bombard Jeff's email inbox with, we missed you on the podcast. Why weren't you there? Or even better, the podcast was so much better without you, Jeff. You should take breaks more often. That would be horrible. We don't want to make him funny. We don't want to make him cry. You can always tell I him do. I said that. <laughs> All right. First email. <laughs> Hi, my name is Nathaniel, and I am from a small town in Michigan called Dansville. I'm a big fan of the books and of the podcast. I actually tried to once do a report on Michael Scott, but I could not find enough information. I just want to say a few things that I did not expect from the newest book. I think that the biggest one was that Gilgamesh had said when Dr. D had unknowingly fused the swords together, the two that are one, the one that is all. This makes me wonder if the twins of legend are not Humani twins, but the twin sword. If this is so, then how would that make sense of the rest of the prophecy? Also, how did both Palamedes and Shakespeare become immortal? Unless Shakespeare had become immortal when he was working for either D or the Flamels, but Palamedes, that is a whole other situation. He was a knight that had fought for King Arthur himself. Who or what could have granted him immortality? There are many other things for which I could ask, but these, I think, are the biggest ones. 
but why is it that you never seem to discuss about Perinelle's ability to speak and communicate with ghosts? Well, that last part is fairly simple to respond to. I believe next month we will be doing, a, we'll be following up the sorceress with the podcast about the sorceress. We'll be discussing Perinelle next month. Yes, we... And I'm sure we will touch on her ability to speak with ghosts. Yes, we were going to talk about all things Paranel next time, so well, make sure you for that. Concerned, you'll just have to wait another month. <laughs> as far as the rest is concerned, you're probably going to have to wait another year or two years or maybe three years. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. As far as what we think about, um, that whole twin swords thing definitely seems to be the most popular kind of surprising slash theorizing bit to come out of the book based on what's been going on in the forum. Yeah, that was definitely a big little bomb he dropped there right at the end of the book. Well, I, oh, yeah. when I first like when I first read it, I just kind of thought it was Gilgamesh being his wacky self and that being more of a red herring than anything else. Just kind of like a parallel, not necessarily the legend. The more people mention it, there you know, I was kind of thinking with the whole the two that are one, the one that is all, one to destroy the world, one to save it and all that jazz. Makes me wonder or, you know, theorize a bit if the fact that it's actually two sets of twins, as in the swords are joined and Sophie and Joss are joined, and then the sword combined will be used to destroy the world, and Sophie and Josh combined are used to save the world, and that's kind of how the prophecy comes in, because prophecies usually aren't literal. They're open to interpretation, I suppose. Yeah, I would agree with that, I think, uh... I think there's a lot of room for interpretation there. Cause, I mean, if if it is the the swords are what the prophecy was about, it makes kind of everything else with Sophie and Josh and Flamel kind of useless. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, why then? If if the swords are the twins of legend, then what what is Sophie and Josh's purpose? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I I don't think Sophie and Josh are completely out of this, per se. So. I think he also brings up another good point. There are a lot of immortals running around that don't seem to have an answer for how they became immortal. So I think... Palamides and Shakespeare kind of joined the Germain group on that. Exactly. Theorizing about that, I don't even think you can begin to. Could be anything, really. Roxy or Chris, do you have anything to add? I'm, so, I'm sorry. I was looking for something. <laughs> Podcasting hat. <laughs> No, no, no. About the swords, actually. Because I could have sworn I remembered Michael on the forum pointing out something about the swords. I I don't know. I I knew it. I I saw it coming. I saw it coming from the moment we saw the cover of the sorceress. I had a feeling the swords were going to be something just so much more important than anything. And so when I read the epilogue, I was like, oh, okay. Like... (laughs) It totally didn't surprise yeah. me, and I, I instantly mean, I, it, was it like, didn't okay, surprise me there we that go. they joined together either. Well, yes, um, you did say they were coming together, and boy, you didn't I know didn't how right you were. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize how literal it was going to, to be coming together when we did that covers episode. But throughout kind of the the whole book, like the way the swords wanted to be together, it, it, it didn't surprise. Um, I, yeah, I, I just I can't find what I was what I was looking for. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we will talk a lot more about it in the coming months. So you have many well, many months to find it. We will for. have to do like episode eleven, the swords. <laughs> well, 
Well, you know what? Because I wonder, see, and maybe I'm just totally remembering wrong, but I could have sworn that there was something relatively early on in the, the life of the forum conversation about all four swords, right? About mm-hmm. how there's not just the two, there's four. And when you put together all of the chatter that we've seen in all three books about how wrong Abraham has been, right, because we've heard that from a number of sources where people go, oh, well, finally, look, he, he managed to get something right. Are you kidding? You know, I always say it wrong. So the big spider, right, <laughs> actually at one point tells Perry that Abraham constantly got stuff wrong. Hecate says he constantly got stuff wrong. And while Flamel says he was told he's the immortal in the prophecy, there's still all these really the the notion of the twins being in that part of the prophecy is something that, you know, how do we know for sure? And what if both of those references are actually to the two different sets of swords? And the the twins, Sophie and Josh, are involved for who knows what other reason. Maybe they're wielding the sets of swords. Maybe. I'm not so sure. I I think that, I mean, I think having that epilogue there is, is just this big giant clue that there's something way bigger going on with the, with with both sets of swords since I really do think I remember Michael saying, hey, there were four. And and why would he tell us that? I mean, I know he's really good at, at getting us researching and misdirection <laughs> and everything. But, you know, he also has, has been very careful to say, hey, you should research this or you should research that. And then leaving it open for us to figure out what's important, but at the same time sort of helping direct in a general direction, you know, to, to see what we come up with. But, I mean, even the cover, like, if you look at the cover and you have the two swords that are crossing each other, that's, like, a huge clue. And, like, I don't think any of us picked up on that. And, I mean, I think that's what's the beauty of these covers. I did, just not literally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I just thought that it was. it's really amazing how there's so many clues just on the cover and you still didn't pick up on it. Yeah, it was right there. Did you have anything else to say, Chris, or...? Um, no, you know, the only other thing I was going to point out is something I actually posted today on the forum, and that talked about the being immortal. You know, said there's all these immortals running around, and we don't really know how they got that way. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a fluke when I picked it up in the middle of my reread that apparently the Codex has two different formulas for immortality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, one in the beginning that Gilgamesh... The very first page, yep, that Gilgamesh wants... Right, so he can reverse it. And then the one on page six that the Flamels used to stay immortal. And so I wonder why the Flamels didn't use the one on page one. That it seems Gilgamesh doesn't need to renew at any point. And then I wondered, you know, well, how did St. We, we've talked about before, how did St. Germain become immortal? And I wonder if there's some sort of connection. I have a feeling he knows more about Gilgamesh than what we know. If- what if Gilgamesh was given immortality by an elder? Well, Gilgamesh be? says he took the potion on page one. Oh, that's what he says? Okay. Well, but does he actually say that, or did he say that he knows it's there and and he wants to reverse it? Well, I would think in order to reverse it, you would, you'd have to reverse something that was done to you in order for a reversal to work. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. know. But, yeah, I mean, maybe the first one has to be... Maybe the thing on page one has to be administered by an elder, and Flamel wanted nothing to do with that, or only Abraham could have done the one on page one. Well, and if you read the way that particular quote is worded, it says, I stood by 
Abraham's shoulder and watched him transcribe it. It is the formula of words that confers immortality. So it appears to be more of a spell than a mm-hmm. formula. It also says that he was once the guardian of the Kodak and that he even knew Abraham who created the book. So what if he was the first guardian and it kind of came with the book? You know, Abraham gave it to him and, oh, here's immortality with it or something, maybe. Perhaps. I I also kind of wondered, I know it sounds way far out there, but if Gilgamesh and Abraham aren't the same person. Mm. That I is, like that. Yeah, I kind of like that theory. I don't, I don't know that it's grounded in anything, but <laughs> hey, that would be kind of a neat twist. Well, no, I actually, there are, there are a few things that, that made me think that, including how old Gilgamesh yeah. is mm-hmm. and how that coincides very nicely with when Abraham supposedly put the codex together, mm-hmm. as well as the fact that there's a quote in the book, I was looking at it today, that talks about the, the flood, right? And if you know the, the epic of Gilgamesh, the flood is plays a huge role in, in, in that story. And so there were a few little things that I was able to string together that sort of just raised that as an idea. It, it, it wasn't complete conjecture, but mm-hmm. like 98%. <laughs> well, then, if you were consider that Gilgamesh is Abraham, when you read the second page where it uh, notes from Nicholas from his book of day, uh, day book, it mm-hmm. says um, he was once the guardian of Codex that he even knew the mythical Abraham who created the book. So, I mean, it specifically says, like, he's not Abraham, but it says he knew him. Well, it says so, he knew the mythical Abraham. Okay. So he could be so that's a not, that That's pretty specific wording. Yeah. Almost like Abraham never actually existed. Because, okay, this is a book full of people from our myths and legends, but Nicholas knows that it's real. So why would Nicholas put the word mythical in the daybook describing Abraham? That's true. I, I think there's somewhere, though, that, is it Hecate says she knew Abraham? There, there are a couple of references, and, and so does so does the spider yeah, elder. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, that's the other thing, too, is the fact that towards the end, when they're, well, not, I guess it's more the middle, when they're trying to, tr- when Machiavelli and Dee and the elders, the dark elders, are trying to track Nicholas, they bought him at the street corner, and they say, oh, it's Gilgamesh the king. So the elders know, the dark elders know who Gilgamesh is. So just, I just that kind of to go against the Gilgamesh's Abraham theory. Yeah. Well, I also want to want to figure out though that the title "Ancient of Days" is used to, to refer to him twice, and I got to do more research and see what how that plays in because I don't I don't think it would have been used the way it was used at least the first time when when Sophie calls him that and then he says no one's referred to me like that in a long like I don't think it would have been pointed out that way if it wasn't meant to be a hint to something. Yeah. There's lots to talk about on Gilgamesh. We will definitely have to hit him on a future podcast when we have some more time to do some digging about him. But, uh, Sean, do you want to read the second email? Sure. I'll read one from uh, Jay Myers, our, our quote winner here. It says, uh, this is Jay Myers, or AJ45583, on the forum. I just wanted to point out something I noticed in the preview to the Necromancer. 
Gaddy's twin sister introduced herself as Eve of the Shadows. I noticed that the word shadows is also capitalized in the prophecy line, then the elder will step out of the shadows, which led me to believe that somehow she is important to the prophecy. Also, the last line of the prophecy, the two that are one must become the one that is all, could refer to the twin blades forming into a new sword, which most likely means that the sword is much more powerful. Lastly, I was wondering if Michael Scott had the tour date set up anywhere yet. I haven't been able to find it on any site. Well, we touched on the swords already, and as soon as we know anything about the tour dates, you guys will know about the tour dates. Yes. As far as, as, far as those are concerned. Um, We're not hiding anything. We don't know no. either. <laughs> I don't think Michael knows. And we can't wait. <laughs> they pretty much tell him to get on a plane, he gets out, and he signs stuff. <laughs> um, if you but, all ask nicely. Eve, <laughs> <laughs> Eve, Oif. Eve, I, I believe it's Eva. I, I believe it, uh, Eva, Eva. It's Eva. wacky Irish. <laughs> this one I'm sure about. <laughs> of any like... of the pronunciations. This one I'm sure of. <laughs> right. just, I think this is hard like and <laughs> Sounds like Eva and Wally. <laughs> yes, a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Eva was another one of those bombs dropped there at, I guess, the beginning of the Necromancer. Yeah, definitely. And we'll probably have our Necromancer predictions yes. episode forthcoming. Yes. we find out what the cover looks like, I'm sure we'll definitely... Yeah, we'll, we will definitely set up a podcast for discussing the cover as soon as it's released, and we'll probably touch on the Necromancer first chapter during that episode. So we'll yeah, definitely we'll talk probably about kind of Since we've already talked about first couple covers, we'll probably just combine the Necromancer cover with the Necromancer predictions. Yes. Probably don't, it can probably be one episode. But there, that is an interesting point about... Uh, Aoife of the shadows. I mean, you know, Scatty is the shadow, so lots of shadows going on there. <laughs> but uh, I think we should move on to the third email we have. Chris, do you want to read that one? Sure. Let's see. Okay. Greetings to the Portal Casters. I just found out about this podcast a few weeks ago, and I finally managed to catch up on all the episodes. I have a few questions for you guys that I hope could be answered in the next podcast. What were your favorite parts of the Sorceress? Mine was when Shakespeare said, Lord, what fools these mortals be. I think we're going to talk sort of about that, so I'm just going to skip that unless anybody wants to say anything specific now. No, we're definitely going to get to that. Okay, so next one. How do you feel about the twin relationship not being twins? I'm a twin, so I totally relate to Josh and Sophie, but I was wondering how other people felt about it. This might sound strange, but is it weird not having a twin? You're the weird one. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, I don't think we we don't really know what it's like to have a twin, so... It's hard to have a frame of reference to really answer that. <laughs> so although I imagine being a twin would be pretty cool. I have two little nephews that are twins. They're too young at this point to, to tell me much about what that relationship's like. But, you know, they're it, it's actually kind of cool at the same time because they're, they're little enough that, you know, they'd get laid down to, to go to sleep totally separate from each other. And an hour later, you'd walk in and they're cuddling with each other. You know, they just constantly drift towards each other. And they're young enough that there hasn't been anything that to cause any separation between them. So it's cool. But I, I have no other frame of reference. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't even know any twins. Can't believe I don't, but I don't. It's weird. I've known- uh, my nephews were the first that I've known, so. I know one other. I know, I know a couple sets of twins. Um, Actually, I grew up with uh, boy and girl twins, so they were brother and sister and completely opposite from one another, but I mean, that's kind of the thing, I mean, 
she goes on to, to say in this email that her and her sister are, are different. How she, her sister doesn't like to read. Yep. So, you know, that, 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 I, wonder, I wonder how how ordinary that is for twins to be that different. Because, you know, whenever I know twins or someone talks about twins, you know, you see it in the books a bit, too, how one, the twins are alike in as many ways as they're different. Yeah, and I, know, I mean, I know there's a, a ton of different studies out there that talk about the twin relationship. And, and, you know, I mean, they study everything from medical problems that one twin has and, and doesn't to, you know, I mean, actually, my, my the nephews I mentioned had a condition before they were born. And so they ended up having to do all sorts of genetic testing. And even identical twins actually have a, a few small differences. And my sister was talking to me about how... Uh, they have the same fingerprints, but they don't have the, the teeth don't come in in the same order. And how weird is that? You know, so it's, it's interesting. The whole relationship is, is interesting. And we could probably spend hours talking about it if, if we had had a lot of information. But I know I don't. So, no, I'm not big, big up on the twin research. I do find it interesting. So Sometimes uh, I blame stuff on my evil twin. <laughs> the mysterious evil twin that is really that just Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Roxy, I like that. Yeah, I thought he was the evil twin and had the, had the, the, the nice twin, you know, somewhere hidden away. Yes, we have yet to meet the nice one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, stuck with you. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> to finish up that email... Uh, it goes on to say, also from the last podcast, girls can have gold auras because I'm a girl, and according to the game, I have a gold aura. I've been trying to get my twin sister to play the game to see if her aura is silver, but she doesn't like reading, so she hasn't read the series. Gasp. <laughs> Thanks for your time. The podcast is great. Uh, signed by Anna, which is Flamel fan number one on the forum. She's from Ohio. And actually, she had a PS that said the new segment for posts on the forum is a great idea. So we thank you. We we I think we're all having fun picking out the the different posts. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Going back to the girls can't have gold ores thing according to the game. Michael gave a real interesting answer when I asked him on the forums about if certain aura colors are gender specific, and all he really said was that's a good question. <laughs> so it's just it, I would think if it wasn't the case, he would have said no ores. Any gender can have any aura. Maybe he hadn't decided yet. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm it's sure just, he you knows. Would, you know, for example, you know, you can only, I mean, that's why I brought it up. Can a guy have a gold aura and girls can have silver auras? Or, you know, is the black aura, does the black aura have to be a male? Does a white aura be a female? Because, you know, the with Paranel, the seventh daughter of the seventh daughter, that's why her aura is pure white. So it, it just, that, that that's probably a, a discussion for another time, I'm sure, but... We don't have the answer, so we can't really. But, oh, can we theorize about it? <laughs> no, we can't. I mean, it's one of those things where I'm sure there are plenty of auras that are can go either way. Like, a guy can have a green aura and a girl can have a green aura. It's but hard to tell. There are any specific colors that are only, as far as pure aura colors, because there are many mixed auras, but if there were any pure aura colors that were gender-specific. So... Moving on to the poll results. All right, I had the uh, results relayed to me. How many times have you read The Sorceress? Once was the uh, definite majority winner with 45% of the people. Too many to count and none were tied, which is kind of funny in a way, but I'm sure some of those nuns were uh, some people in the U.K. who hadn't gotten it when the poll went live. 
They've had it now, so those votes may have changed. And then 21% were a few. Me, personally, I've read it once. I have read it twice because I loved it and I kept looking for more clues and I will probably read it a couple more times before the Necromancer comes out. I've only read all the books once. So I'm, a, I'm a bad order, I suppose. No, you just must have a really good memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely do. It I just have allows to me to approach the podcast from a different perspective. The under-analyzed perspective. <laughs> un- under-analyzed, yes. Because you can't you can overanalyze. <laughs> I'm yeah. one of those people who every time a new book in the series comes out, I have to reread all of the ones that have come come so far. So and then uh, and then I, I, I usually reread them again and again anyway. So I've read The Alchemist. I re- I read it the first time, then reread it before The Magician came out, and then reread both of the first two before The Sorceress. And now I'm actually on my sec in the middle of my second read of The Sorceress. So yeah, I had just read The Alchemist and The Magician back in the fall, so they were still relatively fresh. So the reread wasn't fully necessary. I'm actually in the rereading it for the second time right now, and I think I'm about I don't know maybe ten chapters in, and I just I came back from pages in, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just came back from vacation, so I had put it down. I didn't read at all when I, when I was on vacation. So now that I'm taking the bus again, I get to read again. <laughs> so catching up and picking up everything that I missed the first time. So you always pick up some stuff. So it's good. Yeah, I'd like to revise my statement. I'm rereading for the third time. I'm on page one. <laughs> Are you reading now? Yes, right now. That's why all that silence. Just <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm sure there will be many rereads from everyone. And how did I not m- notice that the first 15 times I read it? You know, well, probably not 15 for me because I can't read that fast. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's... Uh, Move on to the QOM responses. We got about uh, 130 of those, didn't we? We did. We got a lot. We must have either asked a really good question or we have a lot of listeners now. But uh, so I'm we... going to go with uh, a lot of listeners. Yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but we have, I mean, it was great. We got responses from people we hadn't gotten responses on past episodes to. Yes. Although the last month was a huge boost in numbers for us since the Sorceress came out. I mean, the, the, the month of June was our, 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 we thank everybody for joining up the forum. I mean, we had, what was it, like 120 new members in the month of June? Yeah, that's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. Where did yeah. it all come from? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure a big help, which we get to thank uh, Michael for, is the, the link on his website, probably giving us a lot of traffic. Much appreciated there. Yes. But yeah, I mean, we're just growing big and spread the word, guys. Tell your friends if they haven't read the series. Get, you know, loan them your books or tell them to buy them or go run, get them from the library or something. Tell everybody. So. QOM response. Yes, QOM. What was the most shocking, surprising moment in The Sorceress? Well, I think I... of the 130, 120 of them were the swords crossing. No, it was actually we had a wide, wide variety. So it made it really tough for yeah. us to pick which ones to read. But the first one comes from Matthew Morin from Rock Hill. South Carolina, so from the south. And he said, The most shocking thing for me was when the crow goddess helped Paranel to get off the island. I thought she was going to portray her or something. You know, I was waiting for that, too. I was as well. Yeah, same here. I'm like, all right, okay, she's on the boat. All right, then. (laughs) (laughs) There she goes. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I guess uh, she's helping her. No, if 
Uh, yeah, was... and then they hugged. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Just weird. I had to reread that phrase like a couple times. Really hugging. I was expecting a throwdown in the boat, you know. <laughs> I, I, was, I was waiting for the for the betrayal. I mean, whether or not it was actually Macha and Babda, or if it was just the Morgan trying to get off the island in any way she could. But can she fly? Yep. Or maybe yeah. she's too weak for the poison. Yeah, she, she was probably weak, weakened from everything. I mean, maybe, you know, the only way she was getting off that island was with Paranel's help. And if she realized that, you know, it's temporary truth, you know, going against her kind of nature. But survival is primary objective. Because, I mean, if she could have flown, she could have just grabbed Paranel and just got off the island. Well, she did say she couldn't, she didn't have enough, like her bones are hollow or whatever, so she can only carry her own weight. Oh, that's true. That's why Paranel is saying that she could have learned to fly once, but she didn't. Or something like that. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool, just to have her, like, hang glide from the morning. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, response number two. Do you want to read that, Sean? Sure. Yeah, Mary from Illinois. Um, I would have to... I I think I got enough M's in there. I would have to say, when Scatty and Joan got sent back around a million years, I was just sitting there after I read that for around five minutes, just wondering how they are going to get out. That's a tie between that and when the Morgan split sister thing happened, which scared me at first. Yeah, the the back in time thing was kind of like a wait what? Because I, I mean, time was gonna be coming up in the series, and when we start talking about our little discussion about the sorcerers, I've got something to toss out there about time travel, but I'll get into that later. It was a, a foreshadowing preview, but yeah, Joan and Scatty getting sent back was kind of a out of the blue. wasn't expecting anything like that to come along. Yeah, I believe pretty much everybody on the staff was pretty upset about that. <laughs> she was like, "Yes, it's back. She's back." And then, "Oh, she's gone again." I don't I don't think she's gone. I think we well, I mean, they are too big of characters for them to just be completely written out of the story, but yeah. I, I love mean, how there's... she just popped out of like randomly looking at herself in the glass. Like, "Oh, it's Scatty. <laughs> she's alive." Yeah, that was kind of weird. We were expecting to see the fight between her and Dagon or, or, yeah. or something. And no, it was just like, oh, yeah, I'm with the Germains. Um, I'm good. One or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we dove into water. I killed him. I floated down the river a little bit. No, I'm here. Oh, Story right. of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean, something that I thought was kind of the, I don't know if necessarily bigger than them actually getting sent back in time, but definitely kind of, it was kind of an afterthought. After it happened, was I Machiavelli's kind of a bad guy? Yeah, he kind of is. I mean, like I kind of expected him to be the gray area character, and in in some respects, and he sent Scatty and Joan back to the Paleolithic era. Yeah, but he didn't kill him. Yeah, and he he still has time to redeem himself. Thinking it's just because he wanted to get rid of the asset. Like Mm -hmm. he he doesn't seem like a killer kind of guy. Although he does have to kill Paranel, but he hasn't done it yet. And maybe he will make Billy kill her. I don't know. But, I don't know. For me, he doesn't seem like he's the killer kind of... I mean, he could have killed Scatty and Joan, but instead he just sent them somewhere else. So, it's quite interesting. But also, um, he might have put that on the lake gate, not thinking that it would be Gaddy or Joan. I mean, it could have been someone else, you know? Maybe he didn't know who was going to use that. Mm. He just knew it, well, he knew it was going to be someone within the Flamel group. Yeah. 
he knew he knew it was going to be used, right? Because I think he said well, there was I don't only think... two. two yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was one of the only ones in France. Yeah. I, I get the impression though that Machiavelli is more in it for the knowledge end of it than the the complete deviousness of it. I'm not sure he 100% buys into the Dark Elder cause per se. I think he's more of the curious type, and I think there's definitely more to come from him. But we do know he does not like Paranel because they mm-hmm. did fight once before. So yeah. she kicked his butt. Yes, the she thing did. With, with, with them being back in time, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like if they went back a million years, but it, it, it's present day now. So like, why don't they just show up? That's a long it's, time to wait. <laughs> well, for them, them it's a long time to wait, but people in present day it's no time yeah you just want to see them back already so well i mean it's just i, I mean we don't know how time travel works in, the, in these books anyway but you know it's that whole time travel paradox kind of thing where you know i mean i don't know how many of our, our listeners have seen you know like bill and ted's excellent adventure <laughs> you know it's like hey travel back in time and remember to put the keys in this mailbox and then they turn around and open the mailbox and the keys are in it like immediately but when they travel back in time, they have to remember to put the keys in the mailbox so that they're there later. That whole time travel stuff just makes my head spin. I'm, well, I, I can't deal. The fact that they were sent back a million years really should only affect Scatty and Joan, not yeah, that's, in the that's true. Day. To a point. I mean, to, well, to the point they show back up. Yeah. Doesn't it depend on what they affect in the past? Does that rule apply? Well, see, that's the whole paradox thing. Yeah, that's the whole, you know, well, it, did what they did in the past make what was going to happen today happen, or did they change what was originally yeah. happening? And it just, the whole thing just makes your head spin. So yeah. we should move on to the next QMM response. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and this one's nice and concise to the point. This is from Meg in London, and her response was, when Palamedes' friend was William Shakespeare. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was that was a surprise. I don't think that was someone I would have guessed in a million years to to he did end that up. Pole, though. He did. Uh, yeah, well, significantly actually. Well, yeah, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think I voted for for him. I mean, um, it was definitely uh, it was a pleasant surprise. I'm a I'm a Shakespeare buff, as it were. Sean is going to have a field day with that character, I think. <laughs> yeah, when we get there, and and uh, you know what, I I have to admit, I am not Shakespeare is one of the, the authors I really just have never been able to to read, and so I don't know I don't know a whole lot. I I the stories of his that I know are the ones they've made into movies. <laughs> well, see that's the Shut thing with read. Just just the kind of a point is Shakespeare. It's not meant to be read. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's really it's hard to read. Play. Plays it aren't is. made to be read. Okay, well, I don't get to go to plays often, so <laughs> the only ones I've seen are the ones they've made into movies, and, and let's face it, they're not exactly always accurate, but they, I think that was a one heck of a surprise, and given the results of the, the poll, I think it was a pleasant surprise for, for a lot for a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. I was surprised he won the poll that handedly. I was surprised any of the characters won the poll that handedly. But Well, I forget. Who were the other choices? Um, Charles Dickens. Was it Bram Stoker? Bram Stoker. Oh, it's it's out there. The big reason why I think people um, got the answer is is because he he was mentioned previously, right? So was Charles Dickens. 
Yes. And Homer. Yeah. That was the other one. And Bram Stoker. Homer was and... the other one. That's right. See, Homer, I thought, would have gotten more votes than he did, just because of all the myths, myths he's written, characters that you know he wrote about. You know, Bram Stoker for the whole vampire thing. And Charles Dickens was is one of the most more famous British authors, and they were going to be in London. But hey, I mean, I voted for Shakespeare. You just voted for him because you like him. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I believe the next response is about Shakespeare as well. Do you want to read that one, Roxy? It's from Nathan Myers from Michigan. And it says, William Shakespeare, once being Nicholas' student, then betraying the Flamels to work for D, then to realize his mistake and try to make amends all these centuries later. So I... At first, I thought that was a bit confusing, the whole situation that was going on. Um, Nicholas and Shakespeare, like, I thought they were going to kill each other the first time they saw, <laughs> that you saw that he was there. So it was pretty uh, pretty big. But, yeah, it was quite interesting to find out that he actually worked for D. So maybe yeah. he learned a lot from D and from yeah. Nicholas. I mean, I, I thought what Shakespeare revealed about Nicholas was with the whole there being more twins and everything like that. Yeah, there was a lot of interesting, juicy little nuggets coming from Shakespeare. He clearly had a little bit of grudge, but he, and rightfully so. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he provided some definite insight into the story. So, uh, next response is from Benjamin from Weston, Vermont. And he said, I think it was finding out about Narius in the series was the best part of the Sorceress. I love the podcast, by the way. You know, flattery will get you everywhere. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly why I chose that response. No. <laughs> that, and because it was different from a lot of the other responses, although there was, there was such a wide variety on this one, it was really hard to pick. <laughs> but yeah, he I was, is an... I, was, I was pleasantly surprised with the variety we got. I was kind of expecting... A, there were a couple, you know, generic ones that I was expecting to see a lot of, and there really weren't. Yeah, we really covered the whole gamut of surprising activity in the sorceress. Uh, Sean, do you want to read the next one? Uh, Alright, this one's from uh, Dara in Australia, interestingly enough. That's sort of the south. <laughs> in the whole nother uh, continent. <laughs> <laughs> the toilets flush the other way. <laughs> do they really? <laughs> Any, everything below the southern hemisphere. Anyways, <laughs> her response was, either when it was revealed that Sophie and Josh weren't the first twins that the Flamels had collected, or when we found out that Mars was Bastet's brother. That was a good um, one, too. Yeah. Well, as far as finding out that Mars and Bassett were related, that didn't really surprise me personally because I'm kind of view the elders as kind of one big happy family. Well, well happy is relative. <laughs> I mean, direct brother-sister, you know, that was more of a, a reveal, but, I mean, I kind of expect all the elders to be related. Well, they kind of are, and that, that kind, kind of seems like they will be the way it's going because I think it's Mars's wife was the witch, right? Mm-hmm. So, Which means Mars could be Scatty's grandfather. Yes. Although... Her being the god of war and her being the warrior makes yeah. sense. And uh, what about, what about you know, Scatty's parents? Yeah, we yeah. still don't know about them. They're yeah. a mystery. They, they could turn out to be... Oh, goodness knows. <laughs> I'm not even going to try that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a Sophie and Josh not being the first twins. You know, I, I thought that was... Um, it was kind of surprising at the time but at the same time it was it made sense but didn't we already know that we already knew that from the magician 
Mm-mm. I don't think we did. I don't believe so. I think that was Am a I mixing up big books? thing in the sorceress. Was... Uh, no, hang on. Hang on. I we, think we did, though. If we did, uh, it was more of a... You're not the first, but kind of realized the extent of what had happened. Yeah. I mean, all the twins that were killed during Awakenings and... Kind of made me, like, change my mind completely about Nicholas. Like, kind of like... And I was like, oh, I don't like him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's really creepy, but I mean, as you read more, you can see that the intent is there. I mean, he wants to find his twin. But I mean, in the process, you know how everyone keeps telling him that so many people have died because of him. And I mean, it's not just because of what he's destroyed or whatever, and he keep, keeps blaming D. But like when it comes to the twins and all of them that have died, I mean, it's just really creepy. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 the thing with um, Flamel that I see is that Flamel was, you know, he's been told that he is the immortal of legend from the prophecies. It almost seems like he's trying to be. Like he, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, as it were. Like he self-proclaimed himself. Yeah. Yeah. But is he really? Does he, do you know, we know? Exactly. It's kind of that whole, you know, maybe D is the immortal of legend or Machiavelli or, you know, any of them. Shakespeare, even. D is technically the guardian of about seven-eighths of the book. <laughs> it, it, it seems kind of, you know, the whole, you know, the, the thing that comes to mind is in The Matrix, which I'm sure several people have seen by now, when he goes to see the oracle and she says, don't worry about the vase, and he turns around and says, what? And he knocks over the vase. Because what's really going to get you is, would you have broken it if I didn't say anything? Yeah. So it's kind of that whole self-fulfilling prophecy thing where, you know, he, he's trying so hard to find these twins that he does a lot of stupid things. Very true. All right, Chris, do you want to read the next response? Sure. Uh, this one is from Catherine in Putnam Valley, New York. Hello up there to Putnam Valley. That's right where I grew up. Her response is, when Joan and Scatty got transported back in time, someone better bring them back. And I agree <laughs> with that, somebody. Darn it, had better bring them back. Yeah. Um, and we kind of already talked about that, so. Yeah. I just like that they had said, somebody better bring them back, because I think we all have that sentiment. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, Roxy, you want to read the next one? Uh, yes. So this is from Hugo, and he's from McLean, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And uh, it says, when Paranel screams, Nicholas, you have killed me. That's when, uh, what was it? Those creatures That was when attacked. they were scrying through the spider's web, and she was on Alcatraz. Yeah, and what they was the creature? Combined creatures, all their powers together and woke up all the Vitala. Yeah, Vitali, I can remember the creatures. Yeah, that was that was scary because I really thought that something bad had happened to her. Yeah, well, because it was like right at the end of a chapter, and yeah. if I remember correctly, it didn't quite go back directly to her. No, like, it bounced to He did that a lot in this book, and it yes. Yeah, another good one with, it's a trap! Oh, now we're going to go talk about something else now. (laughs) (laughs) But I I remember that one being exceptionally bad only because I had to stop reading at that point and I think I had to go somewhere. (laughs) And then I came back expecting to be able to find out what the trap was and nope, not for another couple chapters. But uh, yeah, so the last response real quick uh, is from Nick from Memphis, Tennessee, and he said, the epilogue, of course, the swords connected into one, and the two that are one, the one that is all, which we have talked about a lot, but just thought we'd throw that in there one more time since it is extra popular. <laughs> so, <laughs> us portal casters, what do we think was the most surprising or shocking moment for us? 
Sean, do you want to kick this one off? Sure. Most surprising, shocking moment in the sorceress. I I probably would say the time travel thing. I, I, not not that it shocked me. It was just it it came out of I didn't see that coming at all. You know, like with with other of the uh, big events that happened in the sorceress, they were understood. They they it was a reveal, and it was like oh wow. But they had kind of a background. It, it didn't. They were shocking, but not surprising. Whereas the whole getting sent back in time thing was just kind of like, oh, that okay, weird. That's my response. All right. <laughs> Who wants to go next? Roxy? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I was thinking while Sean was talking, and I keep going back to the one to the, with the swords. I mean, I know it's pretty much the same thing, the same one as everyone else, but I remember my reaction when I was reading the book, and when I got to that part, and I my mouth pretty much hanged open for like a good five minutes i was like oh no i completely misunderstood the series like what have i missed and i have to read again and i was kind of freaking out because i even like created the screensaver thinking it was the twins and like i don't know my the whole for me the whole series just kind of like went i don't know haywire or something and and then again the thing about Michael, you know, like, he always has these little, he gives you hints, and you think you know what's going on, and you don't, you're wrong, and, uh, anyways, so, yeah, that was my moment. (laughs) All right, Chris? You know what, it's hard, because I was surprised, surprised by a couple of things, but not so tremendously shocked by by any of it that that I, I felt the way Roxy did <laughs> about the end. Um, Our whole world collapsed. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, my God, what do I do now? No. Um, I, I think one of the – I guess for me I'd have to say it's the, the moment or, or the sort of the thread throughout the book where we – Learn of the Archon, or had he Archon, 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 yeah, Archon, I guess, and Cernunos, Cernuno, because that that I didn't see coming, and and you know when when we were first introduced to him, I thought, okay, here we go, here's who's going to be Dee's elder, right? But clearly, <laughs> that's not the case. So I, I don't I don't know. I'm I'm still trying to piece that all together, and so I guess that that's probably the most shocking piece for me. That was pretty shocking. Kind of funny, too, watching Bestet and Dean nearly wet themselves. <laughs> You're like, uh, what's that thing with the horns? <laughs> he is described like really like, creepy, evil, kind of. And it looks like he's just coming for battle. I mean, I, I wrote something on the forum today about him. And, I mean, he's just there. And it's like, okay, who are we can meet for my slumber? I'm ready to kick some butts and, like, you know, he's just ready for war and to get over it. I don't know. He's just that evil character. I guess every story needs I was going to say, I actually thought he was kind of cool at the same time. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, totally definitely. a bad guy, but totally kind of cool, too. You know, yeah, with his, his technology and everything. Yeah. <laughs> he can, so can cool, shapeshift. <laughs> yeah, so. He I, I turned into that really weird-looking guy. And... Yeah. He's a monster. Just a monstrosity. He was a little bit of a shocker to appear in the whole Archon or Archon storyline was definitely unexpected. Uh, I think for me, the most shocking or surprising thing was it was kind of a close tie between the first being Billy the Kid showing up. Um, 
I just read that entire chapter going, okay, who is this guy? Like, who are we throwing in here? Because he didn't mention his name until the very, like, last line of the chapter. And when I finally got there, my response to it, I believe out loud, was, are you kidding me? Because I just couldn't believe that he had thrown... It, it just seemed so random to me. It was cool, but it was random. Yeah. So I was I was quite shocked by his appearance. The other one being, and this is probably more of a favorite moment for me than a shocker, but it was a little bit of a shocker, was uh, Mars being Horace or Bestet's sister. And I read that and I kind of gloated a little bit to myself <laughs> because of the whole Horace thing. But uh, yeah, so that was probably also a favorite moment of mine from the book. Does anyone else have any other favorite new characters or favorite moments from the book they wanted to talk about? Kind of favorite moments? I don't know. I, I loved Shakespeare's character, the way he would throw out the, the random quotes. And then I forget what the one he said was, but there was one later that was like someone else's quote. And Palamides says something like, you didn't write that. He's like, no, but I wish I did. Just It was kind of the, I, I laughed. And, and every time they talked about how much he smelled. I, I was laughing. It was cracking me up. Do you think he smelled for real in real life? <laughs> I have no idea. It's just, just the fact that every single, like, they never just said Shakespeare. It was always the odor coming off of Shakespeare. They never just <laughs> said it was him. It was always his scent. That smelly, smelly man. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I love I love the line, uh, something to the effect of, he cooks when he's nervous. Like that just it just cracked me up just to think that Shakespeare's in this little hut inside this car castle <laughs> cooking because he's upset. <laughs> Picturing him with an apron and a frying yeah, Exactly. In his jean overalls underneath, all greased up like a grease monkey. You know, frying pan in no. one hand, wooden spoon in the other. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, as far as an overall impression of the sorceress is concerned, it, I mean, it was definitely the best of the three. Definitely. Um, hands down. As for a new character for me, I I kind of had that same reaction, too, for Billy the Kid. And um, I, I mean, I don't know much about him, but I, I think it, I, what I really like is the way he talked about immortality. That's another thing is how he got, how he became immortal at a, and so young. Like, I would think that they show immortal humans they were special or they had but I don't know I thought it was interesting because it kind of opened he Billy the Kid opened up the whole American history yes okay. the series as well I mean like everything else has been very European but what what has he done that's been so big that he would become he's immortal just a, he's just a famous outlaw he was one of the best okay well and I mean if you remember right though in the book too there's sort of isn't it Machiavelli who sort of wonders that yeah, and and comments about how you know he was so young. Most most of the time, folks end up immortal as as a when they're a little bit older. But then again, who really knows how folks you know how the elders choose who to 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 make immortal when that's the way they become immortal. So you know, in a right place, right time situation. Yeah. I think I think the book itself sort of raises that question for us by by having Machiavelli set that question up. Yeah. And mm-hmm. do we know for how long? We don't know how long he's been immortal yet, right? So. Well, it was uh, well, the we do. 1800. Okay. Um, yeah. He's, I think uh, he said something like just over 100 years or something. Okay. Or just under. I can't remember. It's right around that 100-year mark. So yeah, because I mean, it's it was, not that he was, long. He was killed, quote-unquote, in the late 1800s, I think, the 1880s or something like that. 
1881. He was shot by Pat Garrett in Fort Sumner. Supposedly. Oh. Mm-hmm. I think the elders wanted him for his choice in cars. And, and <laughs> he, he was 22 at the time. So if you well, look at... Well, that's why I actually okay. asked Michael. I said, okay, Billy the Kid, why doesn't he drive a Mustang? I know. I agree with that. Obvious. His answer was it would have been too obvious. I agree with the Mustang. It would have <laughs> like, been come funny. On, Mustang, horse, come on, that's funny. It is funny. <laughs> Got a... Yep, but we definitely have lots to talk about about the Sorceress in the coming months. So real quick, we're going to move on to a little fun thing. And I guess Jeff's going to get the bad end of this one because he's not here. But uh, we're going to talk about a couple of theories that we got really wrong and then some things that we actually got right when we did our predictions episode and some of our other podcasts. So... Uh, Roxy, you get off scot-free on this one. <laughs> you can just laugh. So I guess, should we start with Jeff since he's not here, or should we save him till the end? I think we just should just read through his. Okay, we'll read through his. So, uh, we'll start with, should we start with the good or the bad? <laughs> start with the bad. Okay, we'll start with the bad. Jeff, uh, I believe there was a quote that Jeff said that he would like to think that Gilgamesh was going to be a complete nutter. (laughs) And that quote still makes me laugh, but uh, sorry, Jeff Gilgamesh, in my opinion, yeah, he makes some mistakes, but I don't think he's a complete nutter. Not, he's he's coherent. Yes. (laughs) And uh, then the other one that Jeff uh, didn't get right that he thought he was so sure about was he said that the pitchfork on the cover of the sorceress screams Poseidon, which... We all pretty much agreed with Yeah, we did. (laughs) We did, but he glaringly said screams. (laughs) We can blame him. He's not here to defend himself. (laughs) Oh, but when he listens, he's not going to be too happy. (laughs) That's what he gets for bailing. (laughs) He had a very valid reason, but uh, we do miss him and... Sorry for throwing you under the bus, Jeff. <laughs> but he does get brownie points for a couple things. He didn't think Josh's debt to Mars would come into play in the Sorceress, which, true, hasn't come into play yet. Not mentioned, so he, he, he's like... Yes. He, he's partway there. No, I don't think anybody <laughs> was dead on, other than maybe you, Sean, and your little sword prediction. But um, And then he said uh, also finding him finding the connection between uh, to Thoth from... Enoch Enterprises, which, of course, displayed throughout the Sorceress. He gets brownie points for that. So, uh, I guess we can do Sean next. I guess we can. All right. Well, I uh, I didn't think Mars would would show up in the Sorceress and only kind of be mentioned in past. I was so close, and it was in like the last couple of last half of the book. He goes and makes a visit. Yeah. So yes, Mars did show up. I'll be it for only a couple of pages, but. Oh, but was he there? <laughs> I have to defend myself so much here. Jeff can't. Yeah. I don't even remember this next Yeah, one this one was in passing. I was I was trying to be nice and not pick too many <laughs> mean, horribly wrong things. But, uh... Is, uh, I, I apparently said that D is possibly siphoning power from the creatures on Alcatraz. Yeah, he wasn't doing that. It was kind of a passing, you know, maybe theory, but uh, I figured that was interesting that we throw that in there. My, I had my, my brownie points for the swords. I didn't realize how literal I was being. Um, <laughs> yes. But the swords did, in fact, come together. And then Mars's gift to Josh being the knowledge of warfare and instincts of someone who knows war. Um, that was a pretty uh, well-educated 
guess that a lot of people seem to have had as well. But I'll take credit for it. Yeah, I, I gave you credit for that because I think you were the first to mention it. So <laughs> you get the brownie points on that one. I mean, but... that was that was probably one of my favorite group of chapters. The whole war at the car castle. Yeah, yeah, neat. me too. That whole segment, I thought that was that was one of my favorite parts of the book. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't see uh, car wreck yards the same way anymore. Kind of keep looking <laughs> for castles. <laughs> kind of cool. I don't drive by too many car wreck yards, but next time I do, I might think castle. <laughs> so uh, I guess Chris, you're next on the chopping block. Okay, well, I, you know what? I'm surprised that the list of wrong about isn't a whole lot longer because I'm never right about these I things. I tried but... to keep it to two for everybody because <laughs> we could have gone on for hours on all of us. Thanks. Not just you, on all of us. <laughs> all right, so I was wrong when I thought the twins might not be together at the end of The Sorceress. I am still convinced at some point we're going to have a book where they're not at the end. But anyway, they're not together. But anyway, we'll move on. Um, And that we're going to hear more about Dagon. I will tell you, I was that... I was wrong, and I'm kind of bummed that I was wrong, yeah. just because I wanted to learn more about him. Like, and I think it would have been really cool to see more about him, see how Scatty did get away from him instead of her just popping up. Oh yeah, we're done. You know. Yeah, I was um, kind of disappointed yeah. too. I was expecting to at least get a chapter. Yeah, I think that could have been a really cool fight to have seen. I was surprised you know? that you were wrong about that. I, that one really shocked me. You know that we didn't see any of him. Yeah. I I think we will see him, but I guess not. Not in the sorceress. Um, all right, so my brownie points come from the fact that the twins and Flamel do get back to Perry and San Francisco at the end of the sorceress. And we kind of all did disagree with you a little bit on that one, so you get major brownie <laughs> points on that. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, you know, I will tell you, though, I think that I based on sort of the fact that Michael said that the series – in the forum, he said he looked at it as sort of two trilogies almost, and I thought that the only real way to get there was for them to get back to her. Yeah, like, it was kind so, of an ending. Yeah. Um, and then I was also right about Scatty being dispatched to get Perry, although, of course, it would have, you know, she never got there, but whatever. was dispatched. <laughs> yes. yes, but you did yeah. say, wouldn't it be really cool if that was Scatty's, you know, big, harumphant return and... Yeah. yeah, well, you know, I guess I guess I get points for on a technicality, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to see the three of them kick some butt, man. Yeah, me too. Awesome, but yeah. So uh, I guess it's it's my turn. I was. Jamie was wrong about everything. Uh, clearly, <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible. Uh, I was wrong about the end of the book being a parting of ways for the characters. I, I kind of thought it would be, but I guess the only people we parted from were Machiavelli and Billy the Kid being left on Alcatraz. <laughs> but I'm not so sad about that one. And then uh, the second one that I was wrong about is I thought Dee was plotting and starting a war with those creatures on Alcatraz and that he was able to control them but really it was something his elder asked him to do and was being done all throughout the world so I missed on that one too but uh big brownie points for and I believe Sean and Jeff gave me so much trouble for this and kind of just wrote it off but I do believe I mentioned the eye of Horus on the cover (laughs) (laughs) and two of them were just like yeah whatever (laughs) But uh, I'm going to take that one and gloat. Like I said, yep. again, one of my favorite parts. <laughs> but, Where was the Eye of Horus on the cover? Well, maybe it wasn't, but I still got the Horus part. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the cover. There's no eye on it. 
on the Alchemist when we were talking about the covers episode on the Alchemist cover. But uh, yeah. And then uh, the second one, um, this is kind of a half right one, but uh, uh, Mars. Um, I said something about Mars putting Josh in a bad position and having and, and Sophie having to break the curse on Mars to save him, and that kind of came into play when D suggested it to Mars. So I think we will be seeing more of that. In oh, big time. So that wraps up our wrong and right. I'm sure we were much more wrong than right, but I tried to keep it on an even playing field. <laughs> well, and I thank you for that, because I'm sure my list would have been the, the longest of the bunch. <laughs> so, yeah, and if you guys had any things that you want to share with us that you were really wrong about, feel free, you know. We'll make fun of you, just like, like we, we do everybody else and ourselves, so. <laughs> yeah. If you want to share, we promise not to be too harsh, but if you don't, we understand. I nothing. <laughs> As usual, Sean promises nothing, but, uh. So, well, Jamie did say promise not to be too harsh. He yes. didn't say we wouldn't be harsh, just not too <laughs> harsh. <laughs> I guess we should move on to our not-so-new segment anymore, our post of the month. All right, so uh, my post of the month is coming from Romulus. It was on June 24th in the general chat section, and it just kind of made me laugh a little bit. It was, uh, the best thing ever invented would have to be sliced bread. Without sliced bread, there would be no civilization. Without sliced bread, we are cavemen eating mud. I'm not really sure what the whole conversation was about, but apparently it had to do with inventions. Just gave me a good laugh. So uh, what were your guys' posts? Okay, so the well-researched post I chose is by MFM13, posted June 29, 2009. A little bit interesting because I should tell you that um, when I read the post, you might be scratching your head as to why I picked it as the most well-researched. But it has to do with the fact that um, the timing of it being before the lifting of the, the spoiler ban in the forums, this person did some research and, and must have posted something that would have been a spoiler, but they didn't read the book and didn't realize it. So well-researched if, if they came up with something that had to be removed <laughs> without reading. It says, so I've been doing some research as to who Scotty's family could be, mainly through the people we already know to be members of it, and I've ended up with numerous possibilities. Then I made a direct search on Scaddock's parents and found that it was said she was the daughter of a king of Scythia. Those I found with Irish Celtic roots were Phineas, Farsa, Bowman, Agamemnon and Tate, but none of these were said to have daughters. I have no idea if any of that was at all useful, but I sure had fun researching. And then the please do not post sorcerer spoilers in this thread <laughs> until after July 1st warning. So um, I'm guessing that um, this person came across um, the reference to Scatty's twin. Yes, if I, if I remember correctly, I think that's what it was. And then they responded, sorry, I didn't realize they were spoilers. I haven't read the book myself yet and was going off things I picked up on in The Magician and stuff I knew about the mythological fig. Nice to know some of my assumptions were correct, though. So, yes, I think that was well done if they came up with something without reading the book that had to be removed as a spoiler. So, job well done. Was she actually saying that it was Gaddy's sister? You know what? I That I couldn't tell you because I didn't see the post I, I think I she she might have, if I remember correctly. Okay, because if I I, I did some searching on uh, um, Eva, <laughs> Ava, and uh, she turned up being Scatty's trainer or what was it? She was uh, she taught her 
the martial arts and stuff like that. So that's why I was wondering if she got that or if she actually got that she was a sister. I will tell you, I know I have done some research since reading, and I have come across a couple of references to her being her sister. So Okay. There's different... Uh, I think so. Okay. Um, okay. But... It would be interesting to have the person who posted this maybe now that the ban is lifted repost what they were trying to say in the first place, <laughs> and we can confirm it. All right. Uh, Roxy, did you have a post that you picked out? I know you're not sticking to Jeff's random post. But, uh... Uh, no, because actually um, I, I didn't have much time to do some research on the form since I found out I was filling in quite last minute. So, But I thought of this post because I was discussing with Jules uh, Zephyr on the forum, and it's about Michael's other work, um, other books. And I had asked her uh, previously by PM, which she never answered. Sorry, Jules. <laughs> but um, I was asking her which one was her favorite. And now that she put up this thread and lets people discuss, I asked her which one her favorites uh, in the fantasy genre. So her response was actually today. And uh, it says, if it's a young adult fantasy, then I recommend the Windlord, Earthlord, Firelord trilogy. These are the tales of a brother and sister who get plunged into an alternate world of magic and a battle they didn't start, nor want to be part of. They're short stories by comparison, but still action-packed with some familiar grounding magic and mythological creatures that I think you'll like. So if you guys want to go ahead and research some more of Michael's books and that, kind of jar then maybe those could be good ones so we will call that the best recommendation of the month (laughs) that's if you can find them wherever you are (laughs) apparently they're hard to find at least here in the u.s some of them have been very difficult to find i've had to have them shipped from from london and had to buy them used and so i think we need to bombard petition whatever some of the u.s publishers of michael's books to maybe get some of those Reprinted around here. I also, just so everybody knows, the ISBN numbers that are posted in the form with the list, they apparently are geographically linked as well. When I was searching for a few of them at my local bo- local borders based on the ISBN numbers, they told me that the U.S. publications versions of some of them would have different ISBN numbers. So if you use them to search that and you don't find it, don't give up. Search by title, too. That's how I found my copy of, of The Hallows. I had to give up on the ISBN number, which I thought was, you know, the way to find it, but apparently that's, not. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't either. A <laughs> <So. laughs> well, little bit of extra information for our listeners. So uh, moving on, uh, I have the last one, which is uh, Most Interesting Theory. I had a hard time this month, I thought, with all the new sorceress talk that we would have some really interesting theories, but I didn't have anything that really popped out at me too much. But I really liked this post by Lucy. That's her forum name. I assume it's possibly her real name too. But she says, I have a question and I need clarifying and then an idea I'm working through. So my question first is why is is it that Sophie and Josh are abstaining from me? For the life of me, I simply can't remember. There is a point where they tell Shakespeare that they are trying to stay away from meat, so he tells them that he has plenty of fruit inside the fortress. The idea that I'm working through pertinent to this question is is that as immortals you need for food decreases to almost nothing. Is the aversion to meat the twins are undergoing have something to do with the immortality process growing inside of them, 
Or rather, is it a choice which they are making, perhaps subconsciously, which parallels the effect of immortality? So I I thought that was an interesting take that maybe the twins are becoming immortal and they don't know it. Or And I'm also a little bit intrigued by the immortals not eating, some of them not eating meat. And I believe somebody mentioned today, and I don't know how much credence there is behind it, but that Germain, Palamedes, and Shakespeare were the only meat eaters of the immortal crew. So we don't know anything about how they became immortal, but I guess they eat meat, so... To me, it was um, it was more something like uh, because of their senses, they were so awakened now. To me, yeah. it was just like repulsive to them. I didn't see it as maybe it's they're becoming mortal or anything like that, but it's a really interesting theory. Yeah. Well, I thought it might have had something to do with the fact that I think they mentioned that all living creatures have auras, so maybe because animals, I know plants are living too, but they're living with a heartbeat that maybe it has something to do with that as well, but... I don't know. So it was interesting. So I think we should move on to what is Jeff's random quote, but Jeff is not here. So Chris, did you want to read the random quote or would you like me to? Sure. I'll read it. it. Put on your best Jeff voice. (laughs) My best Jeff voice. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) All right. So there's a lot I already know about you, magician. We want to hear where you think that comes from. So send us your thoughts, your ideas. Love to see who comes up with finding it first. Yes, and beat Jay Myers. Sorry, Jay. <laughs> she got it twice. We got to gotta let somebody else get in there. So um, next time on Awakenings, we will be talking about the sorceress, Paranel. So tune in for that and a little sneak peek into September, we will be doing a little something different, uh, something special, because September is the month of many, many birthdays, including our host, Chris, here. I was going to say, all the cool people are born in September. Uh, yeah, that's right here. Um, but it is also the birthday of one author, Michael Scott, one main character, Nicholas Fulmel, who happened to share a same birthday, and one creator and reason for why we are here outside of the story from Michael Scott. Um, but the reason why we have a fan site, Miss Zephyr or Jules. So lots of birthdays to honor. So in honor of all of these people, we will be doing an award show for the podcast. And the reason why I bring this up is because sometime at the end of July, we will be putting up a bunch of polls on the portal for you guys to vote um, in a variety of categories for different nominees relating to the books. So it'll be all kinds of things, and it's sort of be kind of like a People's Choice Awards, so or Humani's Choice, I guess we could say. So be on the lookout for those polls, because you, the listeners, will have a say in who wins, and then tune in in September for Episode 10 when we will announce the results. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. Also, don't forget to head over to Podcast Alley and vote for us every month. So that's all for this episode of Awakenings. Until the next Playgate opens, this is Jamie, Sean, Chris, and Roxy signing off.
Oh, we lost Roxy. I can barely hear. Yeah. Me now? Your, your, yep. your voice got really soft. Yeah, that was me. I must have pressed the, the, the volume or something. There she goes again. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm here. What, what, what kind of microphone do you have? Um, I don't know. Cheap point, I guess. <laughs> I lost my train of thought because we're going to have to edit this part out because my wife walked in the door and threw something at me. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, let's go back a little bit. Okay. Well, we needed some good material for the blooper reel. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Most surprising, you caught me off Um, now I gotta come up with something. Mm. Hi, puppy. Hey, puppy. <laughs> <laughs>